0: By Jonathan Hatch, read by the author. Today's tale: To the Moon, Iris. Iris's dislocated shoulder was aching horribly again as she wandered home down her dark street. She moved it gingerly, trying to put it back into place, but, as always, it refused to budge. Her eyes winced with pain as she gazed out over the playing field. She found it an intriguing place. She had spent many hours sat on her window sill, looking out over it, watching as the towering piles of junk cast bizarre shadows. It had been many years since any other children had played there. The local residents used it as a makeshift skip these days. Broken fridges, shattered glass, boxes of old clothes all littered the sun starved turf. The man at number 32 had even dragged a beautiful old bathtub there one grey Saturday afternoon. This was Iris' favourite item on the makeshift tip. It was still pristine white despite its surroundings, and on particularly sunny days it shone like a beautiful beacon in amongst the filth. She had spent many an afternoon sat in it. One day she'd be in a toboggan, sliding for Olympic glory, the next she'd be a princess in a horse drawn carriage. She was at her happiest when she was in that bathtub. The old man yelled at the television as she walked quietly through her front door. No doubt his team were losing again. Iris hated the old man. He was her father, but Iris didn't understand how they could be related. He was so evil and terrifying, whereas she was shrinking and timid. Her mum had died when she was five, and Iris was stuck with him. In the subsequent four years... The old man had been either horrifically abusive, both physically and verbally, or otherwise had ignored her completely. Irish shook her head at, the, at his drunkard slurs, trying to blot them out, and went up to her room. The moon was full this evening, and shone brilliant, brilliantly over the playing field. Irish climbed up in, onto her windowsill and sat there staring at it, wishing it to come closer. She clasped her scarred, covered hands together, as if in prayer, and sighed. The little round marks where the old man had used her as an ashtray didn't hurt her anymore, but the kids at school teased her about them. She screwed her eyes shut as the old man gave another loud yell from downstairs. She felt like crying, just like she did every night. Why can't I live on the moon? she asked her lap. "'But you can, Iris.' Iris jerked her head upwards, frightened. "'Who said that? Who's there? "'If that's you, Harriet, please leave me alone.' There was no answer immediately. She looked all around the playing field. It was deserted, and there was no way anyone could have heard her from any of the other houses. She looked up at the sky when she heard the booming voice again. "'It is I, the moon!' Two of the moon's craters had darkened and become more round and uh, defined, as if they were staring back at Aris, and a gigantic scraggly line appeared underneath it as if the surface had cracked and formed a gigantic canyon. Aris began shaking. The scraggly line curved into what appeared to be a smile before it opened widely. "'Do not be afraid. I am the moon. "'I watch over children to make sure they are safe and happy.' That is why I exist. And the children who are the unhappiest, I invite them to come and live on me. Hundreds of children live on the moon. They play and learn and eat hot dogs every day if they want to. You will never worry about being unhappy again. So, Iris, does that sound like something you'd enjoy? Would you like to come and live on me? Iris sat bolt upright. Her eyes as wide as saucers. She readjusted her mum's old glasses. Yes, that's something I'd like to do, but how on earth do I get to you? There is only one way, and it is difficult. You must find seven butterflies. They are trapped in the worst places you can think of, and you have to free them. Once you've freed all seven, they will help you with your escape. I must warn you, though, The butterflies only come out when I am full, so you only have this evening to find them all, or else you'll be stuck here for another twenty-eight days at least. And who knows what will happen in twenty-eight days? Iris racked her brain. Where were the worst places she could think of? She fiddled with her auburn hair, scrunching her face up with thought. Can you give me a clue? I can't, I'm afraid. It is only the worst places you can think of. Once you have your seven companions, you'll be safe. Iris knew exactly where to start looking. She smiled up at the moon's beaming face. Okay, I'll I'll be as quick as I can, she said before hopping off the windowsill. Be brave, she thought to herself. You can do this. She pushed her oversized glasses further up her nose, pulled up her sleeves and left her room. She ran into the bathroom and looked behind the toilet. It had been an incredibly long time since it had been cleaned. The sink was cracked after one of the old man's rages, and the toilet was covered in dirt and hair. She got down on her hands and knees on the disgusting stained floor, and there it was. A large, multicoloured butterfly, beautiful but clearly in some distress, was trapped inside a jam jar behind the toilet bowl. Iris reached for the jar and withdrew it. She looked curiously curiously at it for a moment, as the butterfly seemed to calm. This was such a strange place to find a butterfly, yet here it was, in one of the worst places she could think of, just like the moon had said. She tentatively gave the jar a tap. The butterfly remained calm. She slowly opened the jar, and the butterfly shot out fluttering around her face. Thank you so much. It was horrible in there, it said with a squeaky voice. Iris jumped. You can talk? She asked it, as it landed gracefully on her bad shoulder. Of course I can talk. I'm also very good at healing people. Watch. And with a little twitch of the butterfly's wings, Iris's shoulder readjusted itself, apparently on its own volition, and popped back into place. It hurt for a brief moment, but almost instantly felt much better. Iris smiled at the butterfly. Thank you, that that was terribly painful, said Iris, twisting her, her arm around, getting used to the freedom of movement. What's your name? It's Stella, said the butterfly, fluttering off her shoulder and heading towards the bathroom door. Come on, Iris, we've still got six of my friends to find. She had a good idea where the rest would be now. She found a butterfly named Stephen in the hollow of a willow tree, where Harriet Spark had pushed her over and stolen her bag a few weeks ago. Stephen had a single strawberry lollipop in his jam jar, and he offered it to Iris when she freed him. "I prom- I promise you that Harriet won't be bullying you any more," says Stephen in a reassuring, authoritative voice. The next butterfly was Erica. She was under the old man's bed where her mum had lain ill for so many months. The old man had grown bored of her moaning, so Iris had tried her best to look after her. She slept in that bed every night for the last few months of her mother's life, trying to make her as comfortable as possible by bringing her soup, emptying her caffeta and stroking her hair. After her mum had passed away, Iris was turfed out as the old man regained his territory. Erika sat on her shoulder, and Iris felt her grief subside slightly. She heard another shout from the old man downstairs. Her poor, beautiful mum. Wherever she was, she had to be in a better place than this. Darren the butterfly was found in the fridge, where some mouldy old meat laid, lay festering. He turns the old meat into a beautiful, fresh roast chicken, which Iris ate greedily. Thank you, Iris told Darren. I haven't eaten this well in ages. There is plenty more when where that came from. Darren said cheerfully. We need to feed you up, Veronica, a beautiful bottle-green butterfly, was found in a bin where the old man had been sick the night before. She flew out of a jar, retching a little at the smell before beckoning Iris to follow her. Iris tiptoed upstairs. As Veronica led the way, the butterfly led her back into her own room. Go and have a look in the cupboard, Veronica said. Iris slightly confused, pried open a the door. There was a huge suitcase, the same color as Veronica, packed and full of new clothes as clothes in Iris's size. Are these for me, Iris asked, picking up a beautiful polka dot dress. Well, we can't have you running around on the moon in rags, can we? "'said Veronica, chuckling. "'Iris had never been more grateful in her entire life. "'It was rare that her mum could afford to buy her clothes, "'and the old man hadn't bought her a single garment in the last year, "'even though Iris was always growing. "'Come on,' Veronica said. "'Still a couple more butterflies to go.' "'She knew there would have to be one in the attic, "'where she would hear ghosts creeping and clunking in the night.' For years, she had gone nowhere near that place. But the other butterflies fluttered around her, nudging her on. Right in the corner of the dark and terrifying place, she found Matty. Matty wasn't scared of the dark. He flew out of his jar as confidently as a peacock. He could see that Iris was still afraid, though, so he fluttered a short distance away, and a light suddenly shone brightly amidst the glow. Here you go. Matty said, sat on top of the torch. Iris bent over and grabbed it, and she could now feel the fear ebbing away from her. Each butterfly had flown out of their jam jar and given Iris that little bit more courage. They were her guardians in a place she had been so terrified of for so long. She was safe as long as they were with her. She now had six butterflies, but Iris was really struggling to think of where the final butterfly could be. The others whispered advice here and there, but insisted that this was her house, and she'd know where to look. Iris felt the excitement ebbing away from her, and the creeping feeling of fear and dread seemed to replace it slowly, as the hands on her battered watch turned towards midnight. She looked all around the estate, under cars, in the gardens of her neighbours, and even in the derelict convenience store the older kids liked to hang out in but the butterfly was nowhere to be seen. She looked at the gleaming white bathtub out on the field. It couldn't be there. That was the only place she liked. Iris quietly rushed back into her house and up the stairs. She, she searched her room from top to bottom. Before, feeling defeated, she jumped back onto her window sill. The six butterflies all sat next to her, staring at the moon. I'm stuck said Iris sadly. The moon's smile sunk a little. Its two craters for eyes seemed to droop. The last butterfly is stuck in your most hated place. The only way to get here is by making contact with the last butterfly, but I promise you it will be worth it. We have so many other children here, and sweets and toys and all the ice cream you can eat, but you need all seven butterflies. Iris's heart sank. She knew what she had to do. She had to confront her biggest fear of all. You guys wait outside for me, she said to the other butterflies. I think I need to free this one on my own. She hastily threw her few treasured possessions into her new suitcase, mostly things that reminded her of her mother. She she sighed as she examined the copy of The Very Hungry Caterpillar, which her mother used to read to her. Iris missed her so much, she would have told Iris to be brave, strong and face up to her fears. Iris shoved the book into the bag, snapped it shut and wheeled it towards the door. She walked out of her room for the last time, waving goodbye to the possessions she left behind and tentatively crept down the stairs, dragging her suitcase as quietly as possible and listening hard for the old man. Iris left the suitcase in the hallway and inched into the lounge lounge as if she were a church mouse. The old man had passed out on the sofa again. Beer cans were all over the floor as the television blared. His sweaty old vest was filthy from the curry he had eaten and his breath smelled terrible as he snored in his slumber. Iris looked at the old man with contempt. She could not wait to get away from him. She began to heave him onto his side, trying her best not to wake him. She could hear the sound of panicked wings flapping against the jam jar glass. She pushed with all her might as the old man started to stir. What's what's going on? Iris frantically jammed an arm between the old man and the sofa and felt the jar. What are you doing? said the old man. Iris wrenched as hard as as she could and pulled the jar free. Oi! What are you doing? the old man bellowed. He heaved his huge frame off the sofa. Iris tore towards the door, the jam jar in her hand. Come back here, you sluts! Iris ran out of the lounge and grabbed her suitcase. She she swung open the front door and slammed it behind her as the old man bellowed obscenities. The other butterflies buzzed around her as she opened the jar. The final butterfly shot out of it, stretching its wings. It was a lot bigger than the others. Thank you ever so much, Iris. My name is Beth. "'and I'm here to take care of you. "'Now we have to get to the bathtub as quickly as possible.' "'Iris knew exactly what the butterfly was talking about. "'The front door flew open, "'the old man almost toppling over "'as he looked around with angry eyes. "'No, you will not hurt her any more!' "'shouted Beth. "'She and the other butterflies surrounded Iris, "'guiding her away from the house "'and protecting her from the old man, "'carrying her suitcase, "'levitating it between them.' Iris ran towards the playing field. "'You're in a lot of trouble, you fucking bitch!' screamed the old man as Iris rounded the corner towards towards the back of the house. The old man stumbled behind her as the butterflies flew by her side, giving her encouragement. She reached the playing field and started to climb over the bags of rubbish. "'You can't take her away! She's mine!' The old man screamed as he started to climb, hot on their heels. "'I'm not yours!' cried Iris over her shoulder as the butterflies seemed to shimmy her along. She climbed over an old fridge and jumped into the tub. "'What are you going to do, you ungrateful little slag? Fly away!' The old man bellowed as he got closer and closer to the tub. Iris looked desperately up at the moon, wondering what happened next. She looked back at the old man as he clambered over a fridge. No more of this, Mr Doyle, shouted Beth, as the old man bore down on them. Suddenly, a translucent bubble seemed to form around them. The old man could not get any closer to them. She's going where you can't get her. But Beth finished. You can't do this. She's mine. She's fucking mine. You won't get away with this, he shouted through the protective bubble as he banged on it, trying to find a way in the butterflies placed themselves all around the tub and harnessed themselves to, to thin silvery ropes that were attached to the edges of the rim. Before, with a dramatic lurch, the bathtub soared high into the air at a tremendous speed, the butterflies guiding it, flapping their beautiful wings into the night. "'Come back! Come back!' yelled the old man, but Iris was leaving him behind. She turned around for one last look at him as he foolishly jumped after her. She laughed as he stumbled and fell in the rubbish. She looked up at the moon whose face was beaming as the butterflies took her further and further towards freedom. That was To the Moon Iris from Tales of the Infinitely Possible by Jonathan Hatch, read by the author. In our next tale, Francis Sanders, finds that the best cure for stress is a lot of swimming. Until then, look out for those butterflies. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.